Hey listeners, it's Paul Andriola here. Why not join our community at Small Cap Discoveries where we offer our members direct access to some of the best microcap investment opportunities available. Our members are getting access to premium microcap financings, research reports, and direct access to management. Sign up today at www.smallcapdiscoveries.com. Hi everyone, welcome to the Small Cap Discoveries conference call. Today on our call, we have the CEO, Paul Wilson, and we have the CFO, Stuart Boucher from Decibel Cannabis to give us an overview on the company. Decibel trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol DB, and it also trades on the OTC under DBCCF. Company is currently trading at 15 and a half cents with about 406 million shares outstanding or about a $63 million market cap. I'd now like to hand it over to Paul Andriola. Hey, thanks a lot, Trevor. Um, yeah, we have something pretty rare with us, a growing and profitable cannabis uh, company. Uh, so happy to have you guys here. Happy to, to listen to your story. Uh, I know we've got a number of, uh, of our members that are interested in finding out more, including ourselves. So I'm just going to hand it over to you guys and let you have at it. Um, would love to hear your presentation. Great. Thanks very much. Um, appreciate the opportunity to, to share the story. From the very beginning, Decibel has really organized itself to be consumer-led. So it way back from the early days, spent a lot of time trying to understand where the market was and then going to that market and growing and now manufacturing specifically for a market that exists. So when we think about being consumer-led, obviously that you know immediately leads to being product-led. Uh, so Decibel is essentially about the products that it sells, and obviously it's celebrating cannabis inside of that, but being very loyal to following a path that um, delivers for a customer the experience and the journey inside of cannabis that different formats will take you to, different categories will take you to, and, and certainly, you know, a, a wealth of, um, of, you know, cannabis information is existing now. And we think that we parse the very, very best of that and bring that to the market in a very consumer-driven way. What's happened because of that is, of course, it gravitates to being brand-oriented. And Decibel has been able to stand up a couple of brands that are tops in the category that they compete in and using that have, have managed to roll up pretty big market share that we'll talk about in a moment. That's led to not just a, um, you know, quite an enjoyable position inside the Canadian market, but the international uh, popularity of one of those brands is evident. We began an export program with Israel on that. So that in turn has increased our business. Along the way, we've made a lot of great investments to make sure that um, you know we can be profitable every every day, and that we can have an outlook uh, over the course of time that allows those brands to go wherever the customers want to take them. So that's a that's a bit about Decibel and this kind of overview that we have of the business and how we've organized ourselves around consumers and therefore products and therefore brands. We go at it every day, thinking that. We want to be new, unique, and innovative. And if we were to look back at our history, you can kind of watch the innovation, watch how Despo has bought it to market underneath our brands. And uh, we can ensure everyone that there's lots more of that in the future. 
So if you rolled up everything I just said, um, it kind of ticks off the highlight list. So um, we, we've ended up with close to 7% share of the Canadian market. Um, we've ended up with net revenues that, you know, continue to grow where, you know, within a month or so, I think of talking about Q4, we've already um, signaled the market that the growth has continued and we would expect it to continue. So we really see inside of that, that not only do we have the market share, we have the gross margin to go with it and therefore, you know, the EBITDA and now and now the net earnings. Um, the international expansion, we, we've covered off, um, I, I'd suggest to everyone that Decibel will be involved internationally when it's brand oriented. So to the extent that our brands are trialed and then coveted and repeated in, inside of international markets, that's we think the sweet spot is for us. And that's where you see us focusing, um, worked inside of last year, we're repeating it through the course of this year. Um, and then, the, you know, we're, um, you know, touch wood, uh, managed to make all of that happen in, inside of a very profitable environment for us. Um, here at Decibel. So the business has a, a pretty good heritage about making intelligent decisions and being very careful with investments um, and, you know, being able to get the earnings kind of in the right order. So all of that has, all of that has come together back half of last year and certainly, you know, this year and, and next year, we see lots of that in the future. Now that we have, you know, a cash flow happening and, you know, seem to be able to, uh, be one of only a few people who are successful enough with the product um, for, you know, customers to give you that sustainability that everyone seems to be kind of grasping for. So we think that um, we're, you know, trading at a pretty significant discount inside of the market. We, you know, do get a lot of attention. Um, we recognize the fact that we have had growth over the last little while. And in terms of our share price, we still think we're very undervalued. Um, and you know, we uh, we enjoy this business every day because our customers are giving us kind of, you know, six and a half, seven, seven and a half percent market share feedback that we've been imagining was there for so long. So it's very gratifying. Yeah. So getting into Decibel's um, track record, um, we think we've built a multi-year period of success. So first off, if we look back at the the most recent year. As Paul had mentioned, we've gotten into the third largest position in Canada by market share, so roughly 7%. What that translates to is north of 50% growth over 21, accompanied by positive adjusted EBITDA, cash flow, net income, um, making us one of the few within this space who's actually done um, success within a profitable manner. What that translates to is it an attractive leverage profile so less than three times on a trailing 12-month basis, less than a, a turn and a half if you annualize our fourth quarter results. And in addition, we believe that we've now created a much larger channel for growth. Um, where that comes from is international. So our first step was into the Israel market. Um, that was in our fourth quarter with Quest. And that's where we see a tremendous amount of opportunity going forward as we build a great platform here in Canada with highly recognized brands. And ultimately we believe that to be successful on, an, on a global scale, you need to win in your backyard first. As we then look to our longer term um, targets, 
we see a number of attractive opportunities for further growth, both within Canada and the international stage. So we believe we can grow our business to 200 million of net revenue um, within Canada over a period of time. That comes by way of further product category expansion, um, as we only have concentration within a few key product categories like infused and vape. Um, that comes through additional brand launches where we've built a very successful engine for creating and uh, creating brands and ultimately driving consumer adoption. Um, and third comes through continued growth within the market where we view it very attractive. That then contributes to us seeing equal contribution over time from international growing to over 200 million. Ultimately, Canada is going to represent a very small proportion of the overall pie for Canadian or for global cannabis. Um, we think underneath um, that revenue generation, we can maintain um, greater than 20% adjusted EBITDA margins. And certainly we've demonstrated that in the past couple quarters. From a leverage standpoint, we want to continue to reduce, um, but remain flexible and nimble um, if we see M&A opportunities or attractive investments that we can make. Um, but for the time being, we're driving our debt to adjusted EBITDA um, well below two times and, and, uh, and further south. Um, and all of these things contribute to two overarching goals that we have for the business. One, become a globally recognized Canadian leader, um, which we think affords us for further growth and demand for our products outside of Canadian borders. And then two, over time, create globally recognized brands as we see a really strong tailwind of um, global legalization, whether it be for medical or recreational cannabis. So why we start with Canada first, we believe it's really the cornerstone um, to success on a global stage. Um, it's the second largest legal market um, globally, um, second to California. Um, it's about 5 billion of annualized sales at the moment. Um, it's still demonstrated uh, good growth in the past year. Um, we believe it's very attractive for margins. Um, and so there uh, may be, you know, a, a lot of our competitors who are encountering challenges, but we see a good opportunity through a tried and true CPG approach, which is create demand for your product and brand, and then over time create scale around it. Um, we've seen the inverse happen quite a bit in the industry, and that's really compressed margins for others. Um, us taking the opposite approach. Um, you can see from our most recent quarter results, we have north of 50% gross margins, um, and the business continues to grow at a pretty attractive rate as we expand our supply and capacity. Um, where that then leads us is Canada's ability for export is uh, unmatched. So Canada has an abundance of supply through cultivation assets that have been um, invested in and built. Um, and as we see uh, the international stage start to legalize, being quick to market is going to be very critical and ensuring quality of supply is of the utmost importance. And so that positions Canada as a very key exporter early on for building brands in these new markets and we think is superior to any other um, jurisdiction. And so over time, Canada is really going to be the key channel um, as you work through into Europe um, and many other countries that are going through legalization, ultimately to building your brands globally. This is one of the favorite ways that we follow the market and understand where 
uh, different brands are emerging and different trends for consumers are emerging and appreciate that there's a volatility in there from month to month and quarter to quarter about where consumers were going. And in the early days, we're certainly open to whatever was suggested or whatever their friend told them. And then as consumers, and you know, we appreciated that and participated in it and led it. As consumers develop their own taste, we managed to follow that along, not just in terms of flavor profiles or formats, but in terms of um, where we need to be geographically and how we need to speak with those markets and whether or not we're successful, we follow according to this chart. And this is simply, you know, market share over time. And as you've seen market share come and go, we're, you know, obviously want to continue to grow it as opposed to have these little, you know, hits here and there and sneak into the top five or into the top 10. So you've seen this sustainable position where there's been growth in terms of share, but growth in terms of where we position ourselves month over month over month. And I'd suggest that this graph went back even further in time. You'd see it from the very beginning, the way that the, the business has been built. If you were to follow, um, you know, the, the tangents of the curves of, of that chart, um, I think they'd align nicely with some of the uh, innovations and launches we've had into market, as well as how we've coordinated the capacity of our various facilities, whether or not we're talking about automation facility at the plant or the cultivation facilities, we have two of them in Canada, how they've been coordinated, you know, to supply not just enough, but, you know, the right product at the right time. So we like this one a lot. Um, you know, we, we like the growth that we've had. We like that, you know, we're getting now into some um, pretty serious territory and we think that there's even, you know, kind of room to get on top of this chart. But we appreciate that we've done it, you know, first of all, with the consumer in mind and and led them and we've been consistent with it. So we like to we like to show this chart as often as we can. So getting into our financial performance and it's helpful to just touch on some current news on Decibel. Um, we provided uh, back in late January or early Feb um, guidance towards our Q4 results, um, which we announced in uh, inside April. Um, so we saw greater than 40% growth in our net revenue. Um, so you, you can see that kind of highlighted. Um, it provides ample growth going into 2023, and we think we can continue our sequential growth um, in this year. From an EBITDA standpoint, we saw record level EBITDA um, and that grew by close to 50%. Um, both of those growth metrics are not year over year. They're relative to our Q3 2022 results. Um, so it's a pretty tremendous period of growth. As we debottlenecked our facility, we were able, able to meet more supply or provide more supply to the demand that we saw in market. Um, but we still feel like there was some left on the table. So we notably underserved some provinces um, to effectively manage uh, our capabilities at that point in time. And so as we further invest within our facility, um, we believe we can grow these figures um, into Q1 onwards. From a margin standpoint, it remained attractive. So for the full year, we were 21% EBITDA margin. Um, just on the quarter alone, we were north of 25%. And so we're continuing to um, really assess the market, make sure that we're um, priced in a very attractive way to customers and relative to our competitors. 
but we believe we can sustain um, attractive margins north of at least 20% longer term, as I mentioned previously. So uh, we recognize that we're having success in Canada in a minute. We'll talk about how we're, you know, uh, how we in intend to extend that um, into rest of world. But we're very aware that the things that have made us successful are based on where I started the conversation a few minutes ago, or based on the product and the consumer. So we don't want to get very far away from that. We're especially proud of the fact that um, the, where we've been successful was very intentional. So we carved those things out. And, you know, if you spend some time around, around here every day, there's, you know, four or five things that people focus on. And those are the four or five things that have that have caused us to have the success that we have. And we're gonna continue those things and extend those into the other markets. But very simply to summarize, it's a consumer focus that I talked about. And you know, while there's a, a, a sensitivity for the customer and certain emotion about the customer, um, it's also very, very scientific at the same time. We spend as much time and money on it as we can possibly afford. We are all over the data and all over the information because it leads us to understanding and servicing that consumer ever better. So we've stood up departments around it. We certainly have lots of products and information in the business that causes us to have everything from insight to very, you know, kind of scientifically driven ways of um, expressing where we're going to help to lead our customers. So that's led us to the brand position that I talked about and what would appear to be a pretty amazing loyalty. So we take it very seriously that um, consumers are giving us their loyalty and we have to continue to be able to earn that. So you'll see inside of what we do, whether we're talking about a, a format and advancement and innovation, um, how we you know, think about it, how we treat those customers every single day, um, you know, we spend a lot of time with them and we spent a lot of money on them so that we can serve, serve them better. We're going to continue to do that. And, you know, that'll be some of the DNA that we take uh, internationally as well. Because we know that a lot of those customers are face to face with bud tenders um, and take bud tenders advice. We've invested heavily in our own on the road sales force. Uh, I think, you know, there's lots of discussion in the market about whether that's a good way or whatever. We don't even care. Um, we know that that's the very best way we have of influencing the ultimate consumer. Um, so we have, I think, you know, 14 or 18 people, um, you know, going uh, inside of markets, talking to bud tenders every single day. We have analysts. We have um, kind of a... a, a a studio that talks to bud tenders online every day, sometimes 20 at a time, sometimes one at a time. They talk to customers, they educate, uh, they run shows. So we spend a lot of time on that. And, and then, as I said, we're, you know, that's really given us the opportunity to be leaders and to uh, talk to innovation and change. So we're gonna take that into that thinking and those products into the international market that Stu talked about, um, you know, Canada, Canada's a pretty important player, as, as um, you know, as, as Stu eloquently um, positioned for us, that, you know, when customers think about Canada, they think of it as a cannabis pioneer and the best cannabis in the world coming from Canada. Uh, from Canada. 
and of course, inside of Canada, uh, Canada uh, Decibel, um, having the best cannabis. So it puts us in a pretty enviable position. And you can see that, you know, Canada, although big, is um, just the tip of the iceberg for us. So that's the story of, uh, you know, why we think we've won in Canada and how we can lever that into the international markets. Great. So now getting into a bit more of a corporate um, snapshot, um, we have uh, two kind of key measures that we're communicating publicly that we're critically focused on, and that's debt to adjusted EBITDA, as well as operating cash conversion. And so when we look at the current cannabis space today, um, most businesses are challenged. We see a limited ability to generate a profit um, and cash flow, and that's coupled with limited access to capital within the public market. Um, and we see that further combat compounded with many of our private peers. And so within that, um, certainly we see uh, we see a number of costs being cut. Um, you can look to a handful of press releases in the past month or two where companies are going through restructuring, they're scaling back or they're shutting facilities. And so we think that ultimately positions Decibel in a very enviable position today um, where we are cash flow positive, we are generating very attractive margins, and we believe that we can continue that. And so positioning Decibel where we're still remaining very um, stringent with our capital allocation, um, but it allows us to invest further in our sales and marketing activities while, uh, while many of our peers are pulling back. Um, we believe that we can go out and capture further market share and grow the business at an accelerated pace. So if you look at the past two years, we've um, more than doubled our margin. And we've done that in the highest level of competition within cannabis, where we had players spending billions of dollars um, trying to outcompete us. So we think that going into this period, it's a great opportunity for Decibel to continue its growth. Um, where we're targeting from a debt to adjusted EBITDA standpoint is, is less than three times. Again, on an annualized basis, annualized basis from Q4, we're at one and a half times. Um, and we're going to further reduce that. Um, but we want to remain opportunistic as we see opportunities through accretive transactions or investment within organic growth within our business um, to go out and create further value for shareholders. Equally, operating cash conversion. So our ability to convert adjusted EBITDA into actual cash flow is of critical importance. And so we're targeting 50%. Um, again, we want to continue to reinvest in the growth of our business through working capital, through some of the activities I just mentioned. But ultimately, we need to be converting cash flow and free cash flow um, so that we build a strengthened balance sheet and ultimately positions us to be flexible and capitalize on those opportunities I mentioned as they come up. Um, where we think it's very important to us, and you can look back at the past two to three years, um, it's preserving um, shareholder value. And so Decibel has focused on non-dilutive growth capital as opposed to equity. Um, and we have very attractive terms with that and about 44 million of debt, um, all um, kind of very limited to uh, ultimately what has been a very uh, fast increase in um, interest rates. So 86% 80, of that total debt is fixed. Um, within that, it's attractive in that it doesn't come uh, come due in the next two to three years. 
Um, and at the same time, we have additional access to capital through a very supportive lender who is our, our sole lender in this case. And so that's afforded us another seven and a half million accordion. Um, it's subject to a, a debt to adjusted EBITDA metric that we've achieved. And so that's fully available to the business as we see these opportunities come up, all with the intention, again, to create non-dilutive opportunities for investment and growth um, and continue to drive ultimately share price appreciation. So then when we take a snapshot as to where Decibel sits um, in the public market today, I, again, we're third largest by market share. And where we think that very critical is that market share will ultimately dictate winners and losers. So it's very early stage. Um, everyone's looking to build brands over time. Um, and ultimately having consumers supportive of your brands, ultimately demanding the products that you create is how you win within the market. And over time, if we can reinvest build up that as a competitive advantage, um, that will dictate ultimately the winners and losers um, in the space. So we look at that as potentially a proxy for how companies should really be um, compared. And it's not apples to apples, but we look at that relative to enterprise value. And so Decibel trades at the bottom end of the range of the top 10 within the Canadian space uh, based on markets uh, market share. And so it it at least indicates that Decibel is attractive as an investment opportunity. What then you can look at is what that market share actually represents from a cash flow standpoint or a profitability standpoint. Because ultimately, you don't want to buy market share if you are paying um, paying for every dollar of market share as opposed to generating a profit. And so we're one of the few, if you look on the left-hand side, um, we're one of three who's generated uh, positive adjusted EBITDA. Um, and that's our third quarter result, 4.3 million. It's going to be even higher with our Q4 guidance between six and a quarter to seven and a quarter. Um, and from a net income standpoint, we're the only licensed producer who's generated positive net income. And so it create it places far more value on the market share that we've been able to gather, as opposed to many of the peers that you see on this page. When we then get into how we benchmark ourselves against a broad array of industries, um, so certainly cannabis trades at a big discount. Um, you know, it's uh, it's certainly justified in many of ways, um, given the limited profitability, the early stage nature of the industry. But we think over time, um, there's significant tailwinds that will support the cannabis industry. I'm trending towards many of uh, the other industries that you see on this page. Um, and so that gives a lot of room for multiple expansion, which means share price appreciation. Um, within that, we think what the big catalyst that leads the cannabis industry heading towards that direction is uh, margin expansion and ultimately profitability that is shown and demonstrated to be sustainable. And so we think Decibel is at the forefront we have some of the most attractive margins, um, either gross margin or EBITDA margin compared to uh, the, the broad industry. Um, and we think that puts Decibel at the forefront of leading this uh, multiple expansion, um, which could over time shift towards a premium as we see the cannabis space continue to grow um, over the next decade or two at a very high rate, far outpacing the economy and, and um, certainly warranting a premium 
relative to many of these other slow growth categories that are much more mature. And so just to wrap it up, we believe Decibel offers um, a, a tremendous amount of fundamental value. That's where we've really focused our time and effort over the past three, four years of, as we've built the company. It's the belief that as we drive fundamental value, we'll see long-term share price appreciation. And that's the one way we where we have certainty to create value for our shareholders. We've built a dominant Canadian position um, that will be a cash flow engine and support further growth, growth initiatives, primarily our international brand expansion with Israel being the first step. Um, through that, um, we've created best-in-class margins that support that cash flow engine, um, which allows us to reinvest. And it's, again, tying back into sustaining double-digit um, growth on both net revenue and adjusted EBITDA that we expect to achieve over an extended period of time. Um, all of this and, and kind of our outlook on the business, I believe, is supported through proven execution. Um, so hard to find, um, but if you look back at the past two years, um, we are committed to what we what we say and the outlook that we paint for the company, and we're uh, certainly expecting to do that into the future. We achieved all of our 22 uh, milestones that we publicly spoke to a, a year ago. We've demonstrated consistent and profitable growth, um, where we're on, I believe, our 10th or 11th quarter of positive adjusted EBITDA. And we've done all of this with um, the least amount of capital raised in that uh, set of 10 peers. So we've um, really maximized um, the return on investment that we're able to achieve and continue to see a further um, pipeline of opportunities to invest in that continue to create value for the business. And so that's where we um, you know, are certainly trying to be more out in market, communicating the story of Decibel. We think we've positioned it in a very attractive manner with much of the execution that's taken place in the past 24 months. And so um, certainly we're encouraging and trying to highlight Decibel's position in market, given we believe it trades at a significant discount to many of its peers in the space and primarily the top 10 publicly listed Canadian cannabis players. Um, and that's really supported through um, a very unique outlook that you'd see in the space today, where we see tremendous opportunity for growth um, through brands, through products, through international expansion, um, where we can continue to sustain attractive, profitable um, generation of cash flow, which is critical to investors, and at the same time, grow our top line in a very material way. So with that, I'm happy to jump into questions. Perfect. Well, listen, guys, thank you. And that uh, great job on the presentation. Um, I want to remind everybody that's listening, if you've got a question you'd like me to ask the, the guys here, just uh, feel free to use the chat function and I'll ask the question. Um, listen, one of the things that really stuck out to me is uh, your margins. I mean, really, really strong margins with uh, within this industry. Um, you didn't really get into too many details of why, like how are you guys able to do it when so many others aren't able to get these type of margins? Yeah, it, it really starts with um, what I had mentioned, that uh, CPG um, kind of approach. And it seems really simplistic in nature, um, but you need to create demand first and then ultimately build scale around it. So if you look at many of the products that we launched, and I'll just skip to this page, um, Vapes and Infused. When we first started out with those product lines, it was all manual. 
everything was done by hand. There was um, effectively zero capital invested aside from, from procuring the actual inventory to manufacture. Um, and so over time, as we saw these products create more and more demand in market, um, that gave us two things. So first off, certainty over um, certainty over investment. So when we look at our capital allocation, we were able to see um, good return on, on capital and know that if we invest in that equipment, um, those savings are going to come. And two, it afforded us an ability to understand the scale that we need to create. And so when you look at how the industry has unfolded over the past four or five years, um, our margins are very contrary to many of our peers. And how they started off was building um, massive facilities, million square foot, and then ultimately trying to create demand on the back of that. And so what you find is a large scale asset of that nature is poorly positioned because you have high overhead costs. You have um, minimum production levels ultimately to support attractive margins and they don't have the demand to support it. Where, whereas we've been able to scale our facility effectively from day one in a very attractive manner um, that allows us to um, not overbuild, uh, maintain an appropriate level of staff and ultimately get the right automation in place for the right production lines. In addition to that, um, we're now number one in both vape and um, infused pre-rolls or broadly the um, pre-roll category. And what that affords us is a very aggressive level of purchasing power. Um, so we're the number one proc uh, procure of vape carts, of all the components, packaging, um, raw materials that go into both vapes and infused pre-rolls, which ultimately allows us to compress um, many of our raw material costs and really focus on sustainable pricing. So that's the third point. Um, about a year ago, if you looked at where we were priced relative to our peers, um, it was very much line priced. And so over the past year, we've seen further price compression, but Decibel has been very insulated. So we've seen um, strong consumer adoption. We've seen very good brand loyalty and ultimately a lot of stickiness. And so despite our prices remaining unchanged while many of our peers cut, we grew our market share in both of these categories throughout the year. Um, and so that's allowed us to sustain attractive margins. Um, and that's really predicated on delivering a good value proposition to the consumer as opposed to being the cheapest. So we never want to price gouge. We always want to give an attractive price, ultimately for the quality and experience that we're providing to our customers. And so those three combined have really supported attractive margin generation in an industry that's uh, challenged to do so. You know, I think if you're looking for, you know, an overall summary, there's a, um, a philosophical approach to the business that goes back to how we positioned it originally as, you know, a, a consumer driven uh, attitude. And we only want to be in those businesses where we can add enough value to a product to make it worthwhile for the consumer. And, you know, well, you know, that may sound very simplistic. It means that you should build enough value in that you can afford to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And in the case of, of Decibel, I think the business has benefited from the very beginning of having no choice. So mm -hmm. there was never a war chest um, of money that, that you know, could be wasted um, or could be just uh, spent 
trying to run up market share, believing that it'll stay, you know, kind of even after you're no longer worth as much to a consumer, they really had no choice but to be good enough to um, to ask a consumer to, you know, pay them good, honest profit for doing good hard work and making great product. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, the simple way of of understanding how we've been able to generate very normal kind of margins um, inside of consumer goods. And if, if we can't do that, then we ought to find um, a different product where we can be good enough. So, so far that philosophy has worked great. Obviously, you know, lots of science behind it and you have to back up your investments, particularly the coordination and the timing to work out. Um, but good profitable market share, key to success, you know, in Canada, then leverage internationally. Mm, fantastic. Now, a, a couple of times you mentioned, uh, you know, you're, you're looking for opportunities or you're being opportunistic. You, you've got that seven and a half million dollar accordion. Um, now I, I take from that you're either looking at M&A opportunities or maybe new products and initiatives. Maybe we touch on uh, either of those. Uh, and, and if it's new products or initiatives, um, give us a sense of where you're trying to go there. Yeah, for sure. So Sorry, we're, go ahead. Um, first and foremost, we are very big believers in our organic growth opportunities and certainly recognize that a lot of risk can be brought forward through any sort of M&A activity. Um, so what's important to us is first and foremost, growing the business in an organic way. Um, where we see opportunity um, is threefold. So first off, expanding our distribution. When you look at our fourth quarter performance, um, again, as I mentioned, we were still capacity constrained. And so what afforded us um, significant growth from Q3 was further investment and scale, um, but we're not done yet. And so um, we believe we can uh, we can grow the business in, in that manner. Number two, um, we have limited, limited exposure to some categories that we find very attractive. Um, and so um, certainly we want to be hush-hush about some of the innovation that we have um, coming, um, but there's kind of two different lanes that we, we choose. One is um, kind of down the fairway items, um, flavor, uh, flavor and line extensions of existing products that we have um, and providing a full suite of options to the customer. Um, and then two is, um, is really those asymmetrical um, opportunities that we see where there's substantial white space, it's a new category for Decibel, um, or at least for the brands that we have. Um, and it creates a, a tremendous amount of opportunity for us. So we have three of those items this year, um, two of which are um, innovation within existing categories that we compete in, but where we see we create um, incremental value that the customer doesn't experience today. Um, one of which is uh, is edibles. Um, so we do play on this theme, which you can see on the slide here, um, where we're focused on the ready to consume categories, really playing towards convenience. And so we think ultimately cannabis is a social product, um, not only that people want to consume in social settings, very similar to alcohol, but also that is where trial happens. And so as new entrants come into the space, the most likely situation in which they try cannabis is through social settings. Um, and so we see this as a tremendous opportunity, edibles certainly being a part of that. And so that's a, a product that we're gonna be bringing um, in this year. 
Um, so that's that's kind of the avenue for growth. Um, then we certainly have the international channel. Um, we have a few countries that we have circled that we want to enter this year. Um, ultimately, as um, we see the EU develop and we see other markets develop, it provides uh, a tremendous amount of growth where it'll outpace Canada. And so we want to have our brand exposure um, in those countries as well. Um, and then lastly, just to touch on the point of M&A, um, we are very um, picky um, and certainly want to, again, protect that organic growth strategy. And so when we um, see the industry in this position, certainly we think that there are assets or brands that will become available um, that we find attractive and, and uh, could add to, the, uh, to Decibel's portfolio. Um, we're not in a rush. We're being patient. Um, again, we want to find things that are immediately accretive and we can um, generate cash flow from. And so what uh, what's most likely is um, is to see that organic growth strategy continue. Um, and if we can find something that has good, uh, good consumer value, ultimately loyalty, um, and we think we can produce in a cost effective way. Um, then certainly we'll be um, opportunistic in that regard. We're very Fantastic. fortunate to to be in a position where, um, you know, we can we can be opportunistic, but take on the uh, our eyes are wide open that we need to treat that uh, with a lot of seriousness. That there is an opportunity for us, um, you know, and Stu talked about the three areas, and we need to be very alert because this market goes very very quickly. And so far, we've pr proven to have, um, you know, the instincts and the science to recognize where it's going. So we intend to do that. But the first most important piece of that was putting ourselves in a position where we could. Um, so I would uh, I'd suggest that on, on all three of those fronts that Sue talked about, there'll be opportunities in the next while and, and we'll have a chance to participate in the smartest way for our ownership. Mm. Now, I mean, you've clearly successfully executed the business plan so far, um, but what, what do you feel are your biggest challenges you're facing right now? So there'll be challenges by a volatile marketplace as consumers enter, um, as consumers decide how they're going to participate in that. And then that's going to come into conflict as the market's going to go through some kind of corrections. Um, and 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 we've seen some so far. So I mean, it starts out with some of the price volatility that you saw. I think that you know the market is, you know has a bit of that chop in in front of it, but uh, you know a lot behind it. So we're going to navigate our way through continuing to hang on to the market share we have, um, grow it, and again in good honest ways, mm. in a challenging environment that's moving from a regulatory side a consumer side and then what the participants are going to do. So um, I'd suggest that's part of the challenge. Uh, the liquidity in the market is another part of the challenge. Um, I, you know, I think, as I said, you know, we're a little more comfortable with that because we're going to have, um, we're going to be able to make our own choices and do things the, the way that uh, we think that we think they ought to be done. Um, but, uh, you know, it's aside from that, um, I think the challenges we're going to, you know, are going to be fun ones when we think about international and how we have to perform differently um, inside different environments in different countries. Stu, what would you add to challenges? 
Um, I I think those are those are the main ones. Um, I think the 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 one that's of the utmost importance is just it's a highly competitive and regulated market. And so um, there's uh, many um, dynamics that we need to manage um, from a government standpoint, um, compliance with Health Canada, um, working with provincial boards who ultimately are a doorway into uh, reaching the customer. Um, and then from an international lens, um, each individual country has its own set of regulations and legal framework. Mm -hmm. um, and so certainly we've, um, you know, as a mitigating effect, shored up our team in that regard um, and continue to be very attuned to, uh, uh, you know, what is um, the government equal to the, the Canadian uh, market trying to figure out how to best uh, regulate and structure. Um, so we need to be nimble on that front. Um, number two is, uh, is really just um, the dynamic that we're seeing from a competitive lens. Um, and so the, the space, albeit, you know, liquidity challenged uh, a year and a half ago, had an abundance of capital afforded to it. And what you saw was a lot of irrationality through price cuts, through high rates of spend um, and many other means. And so um, as much as uh, we think that's behind the industry and we're starting to see much more appropriate capital allocation, it, it certainly could still return. And so Decibel has two things that we need to do continue to invest in, and grow our cash flow to remain um, competitive and be able to spend effectively to compete. Um, that's uh, critical. Um, and then number two, we need to ultimately build redundancy from a supply chain standpoint. So um, whether the industry is challenged today from a liquidity standpoint or it's hyper-competitive, um, we need to make sure that we're working with the best partners within the space to make sure that we get quality um, we we make sure we have all the raw materials that we need and um, we're well protected whether there's um, liquidity challenges and we see a domino effect um, we'd have insulation from that or two um, we continue to be able to provide the best quality products we could possibly create and that's really been um, you know a success factor in decibel in the past uh, in the past while mm -hmm. Now, um, you mentioned uh, you guys sell into Israel. I've got a question from uh, a listener here. Um, is that is that a consumer product or is it medical use only? I'm not I'm not familiar with what what uh, what you're allowed to do sort of selling internationally. Yeah, so the majority of international markets as of today are medical focused. Mm -hmm. um, but you, I, again, you have different levels of regulation in each given country. And so what you actually find in Israel is that it's much more of a, a traditional marketplace um, compared to Canada. Um, so there's more marketing, there's more sales opportunities, your products can sit on the shelf and customers can see them before purchasing. Um, and so that affords a lot of creativity and opportunity um, to create more um, tethers to brand. Um, Given it's through a medical platform, um, it is uh, much more sticky based on prescriptions. And so once you've um, kind of built up a consumer following, um, it's less likely that a competitor is going to come in and be able to displace your market share. And so it's uh, it's very critical to us that we're always on shelf, we're always available to our customers, and that um, you know there's continued distribution from uh, many of the pharmacies. Um, who are uh, the, the only able to uh, distribute given the medical side of things. 
Um, some of the dynamics that we see are very positive. So Israel certainly bats above um, its weight class for um, aggregate sales being roughly 400 million. Um, we think there's, um, you know, good catalysts in place where um, they are providing uh, additional coverage ultimately for these prescriptions, which should bring new consumers into this space. Um, but overall, we think it's been a very, um, uh, a very great country to operate in with with to date um, through our partner Breath of Life. And it's uh, a, a great testing ground for the Decibel organization to prepare as we start to look to enter um, new countries as well. Mm. Um, as we get close to wrapping up, uh, maybe just a couple questions around the stock itself. You've got uh, over 400 million shares of standing. Can you give us a sense of uh, percentage of insider ownership and maybe sort of the makeup uh, of the rest of the shareholder base? Sure. So um, insider ownership is about 12%. Um, I, I think worth highlighting that uh, the the founders of um, the company um, are no longer with Decibel. Um, we uh, we have one of the co-founders from the WeGrow side um, who uh, still works very closely um, within the organization. Um, and so uh, much of management's position as well as our board has been through um, purchases and market. Um, so you can look back, there's a, a good history of purchases from all of our uh, senior staff and C-suite, um, as well as our new board who just came in. Um, beyond that, when we start to look at um, uh, the rest of our share base, there's roughly 30% that's um, tightly held from um, early stage investors who've um, you know been along with the company for close to five years now. Um, the remainder is really retail and institutional. Investors, so we probably have um, six to eight percent institution um, focused, where they're long only um, fundamentals driven, and so they're um, certainly great investors to have within our capital structure. And then um, again, the remainder is really um, the the retail side of things, where um, much of the uh, kind of brokers and, and platforms that we we try to get in front of and ultimately communicate. Um, decibels value proposition too. We see, um, you know, them uh, them being long term holders as well. Mm -hmm. And, and four hundred million shares. Any any discussions of possible consolidating the share count? Um, no. Um, we're we're comfortable with where it sits today. We've seen that um, in the space. Um, quite often, absent a catalyst for consolidation of shares. Um, it's, uh, it's generally followed by shorting. Um, and so we don't see a need for us to, um, you know, open our shareholders to kind of unnecessary, um, risk from that angle. Um, you know, certainly over time, we want to reduce our common shares outstanding. And I think that comes over time with cash flow generation. Um, but it's, it's not something that's a core focus of the business today. Um, we want to, you know, keep our, our, our entire team focused on um, revenue growth, margin growth, and uh, ultimately cash flow. Mm -hmm. um, as, as investors uh, sort of on the outside watching, uh, looking inside, what, what do you think are the key metrics or maybe even catalysts that we should be watching out for to, to strengthen the idea that you guys are executing on your business? For us, um, you know, I think, First of all, we're in we're inside of a, a growing category. So, um, you know, we've postured ourselves against a product 
that we know we want to participate in, in terms of leading consumers. So mm -hmm. I'd be looking at Decibel and saying, are you playing a major share, a major role in this market from a market share standpoint? So are you important on the shelves of retailers? So, um, you know, which will be market share. And, you know, then I would say, are you leading in terms of introducing new products and new formats and ways of understanding this new product to the market? So if you do those things and you do it at profitable margins, then you have a great business that's sustainable. So, you know, as an acid test, I keep my eye on those things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of financial metrics, but the bottom line is you can't afford to do the things that I just talked about unless you have the financial metrics in, in place. So mm -hmm. I'd go right back to the fundamentals inside of a new consumer market and think that cannabis is going to grow into the, you know, the same kind of marketplaces that we participate in every day, we consumers inside of this country. And it's going to have to compete against all kinds of different things, including other cannabis. So, mm -hmm. so far, that's exactly how it's worked out. That's the lens that we put on it and how we choose to understand it every day. And if those things came true that come true that I just talked about, it means we were right. And mm -hmm. uh, if, if that happens, it, you know, it, it means that um, we'll continue to be successful. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think you may have you may have sort of uh, gave a key message. We always try to give you guys an opportunity to to touch on anything we may have missed or really a key takeaway that you want everybody to walk away with. If that's the case, what what would that be? Yeah, I just shared mine, but I'm you know Stu's uh, Stu's pretty um, experienced in this business. <laughs> yeah, I I think the key message is really simple. Um, Decibel has a tremendous amount of growth ahead um, through the success that we've built in Canada um, and many of the opportunities we, we still see on the horizon. Um, it's further supported by an international expansion um, where we're competing against many of the peers that we've outcompeted in Canada. Um, and so we see that offering um, not only near-term um, kind of step change growth within our revenue, but also um, longer, more sustained growth over time. Um, from that, we're investing aggressively into automation and transitioning from manual labor. Um, and ultimately, all of that supporting to uh, supporting expanding margins over time, which leads to cash flow generation. And so we think it creates a very attractive picture um, where there's fundamental performance in an industry that um, certainly is challenged today, but has significant tailwinds and growth over a multi-decade period. And so within that, we think Decibel offers a substantial amount of value. It trades at a sharp discount to its peers, um, despite all those things I just said. And so it's certainly worth uh, taking a further look and um, you know, seeing uh, kind of the story that we're, we're communicating today. It's fantastic. Well, listen guys, I wanna thank you guys for joining us today. We've been speaking with uh, CEO Paul Wilson and CFO Stuart Boucher, uh, Decibel Cannabis, uh, DB on the Venture Exchange. Uh, guys, one last time, I want to thank you for joining us today. No, thank you. Thanks, guys.